0: I'd like to be the president
1: Welcome to Talking Giants presented by sea Geek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And there's there's never a dull moment in Giants land. It's, it's always something. We were getting ready to just record an award show. Okay, cool. We get to do our awards. It's fun, which we are going to do on this show, unless news breaks halfway through like last podcast. Uh, but, Justin, we've got more information on the Brian Dable, Wink Martindale part of this, right? And people immediately go to that. But to me... This article written by Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News, uh, to me, talks much more and is more damning about the Brian Dable-Mike-Kafka relationship, which is not set in stone that Kafka's back quite yet. Justin, how are you?
0: Good, man. Uh, I. What do we got to do to just get stability, right? <laughs> you know, you, you laughed about it before we recorded. We're hanging out with Patreon. And what do we got to do to just get normalcy around here? Um, and that's... Uh, that's how I feel. And the frustrating thing about this, Bobby, you know, we'll, we'll come on here and, you know, that it's our it's our jobs to kind of be like as, as, you know, doing a Giants podcast, but this is how I feel. This is what I'm feeling, and this is what's going on. And then two days later when another article comes out, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on, and blah 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 blah, and like so many different things change. It's it's a little frustrating, not fully knowing what's going on, and kind of is Paul Schwartz telling the truth? Is is Pat Leonard telling the truth? What's the truth? I guarantee everything is it's it's in, it's somewhere in the middle.
1: Well, I actually think there's really to me nothing from the Schwartz. And Pat Leonard articles that contradict facts. Cause I'm only looking at the, the reported this happened stuff. Like, obviously, Schwartz is with a positive slant and Pat Leonard's is with a negative slant towards the Giants. But to me, I'm only looking at the facts. And I feel like, you know, because Wink Martindale's fired, people go to like the Wink Martindale stuff in this. The only thing I learned new about the Wink Martindale stuff is the details of the MFing that Dable was doing, which we talked about that Dable has to fix. Um, and you mentioned Patreon. Uh Mike Geyer's a new Patreon. Not Womener, Mike Geyer, just Chris. No, no last name, just Chris. We got a lot of those. Rob Vartanian. He's a, it's two bees too from funky names. Bano Seri or Bano Seri. Bano means bathroom in Spanish. John Dees. D's what? Big Parps. I like big parps and big tarps. And then Ruben Ruben Martinez. Blake Martinez's brother. And PJ Briceland. He's not from CJ Stroudland. He's from Briceland. Just know are these people quick.
0: You know the deal. Patreon.com slash Talk of Giants. Uh, hang out while, he, uh, while we watch the show, uh, while we record the shows. There's some other perks too. Shirts, stickers,
1: patreon.com slash Talk of Giants. Yes, yeah, so let's go through the Wink stuff because Wink is gone. And because I, I. So here's the things that were said about, you know, the Brian David Wink Martindale relationship and what happened in this. So basically. The, you're going to, so Brian Dable at the end of that commander's game, you know, before Isaiah Simmons, I think had the, uh, the pick six, the end of the game or whatever. And the the second commander's game got on the, you know, on the, the headset and said, you're going to lose this game. Just like you lost us the jets game. Right. That's a bullshit thing from Brian Dable to say. the also thing it said is like, Hey, like it was interfering with play calling for Wink doing to it like like trying to get a play in and and uh Dable's in his ear mfing him. So we talked about this Justin. That has to slow down, right? He doesn't need to be uh you know a saint, doesn't need to be perfect, you know Tony Dungy style on the mic, but there has there has to be some changes from Brian Dable in the way he handles his coaching staff because you can say oh deal with it, deal with it, but at the end of the day you lost what i think most people think is a good defensive coach for non for for the these reasons
0: yes and that's what i that, this is like it's not what i was waiting for but like what i don't think wig martindale got sour and i don't think he got to this point where he actually wanted to leave the giants whether you think that's, that's right or wrong he didn't, get to, he didn't get to that point for no reason. And it was not like that with the Ravens. And that's something that is really being misrepresented, not, not misreported, but it's being misrepresented by Giants fans. Giants fans acting like, oh, he had a similar exit with the Ravens. No, he did not. That was actually amicable, where this is not amicable. These two people do not like each other.
1: Right. And then the other things that were brought up were the Xavier McKinney situation, which we knew about. And then the other one, was the training camp narrative that came out of the 2022 training camp where, you know, the Ty Dunn article comes out that, oh, they were tipping the plays to the defense to help uh, Jones go through it. And Dable put a a limit on Wink Martindale's blitzing. Now, here's something. I actually agree with Brian Dable on that. Now, the whole tipping thing, I don't know what's real with that. We never really took that too serious in the moment. But we said mid-2022 training camp, Justin, Wink, this isn't a a dick-measuring contest. You got to scale it. You got to let the offense install its stuff. Like they were playing every play like it was third and 15. And it's like, okay, yeah. If this Giants offense was just trying to beat you, they'd throw a screen. They would do this little quick game. But they're trying to install some of their offense. And Wink Martindale made it really tough. So I actually agree with Brian Dable on that. The Xavier McKinney situation was brought up. I agree with Brian Dable on that. So... The, the Wink Martindale part of it, that's really, that's it, it is the details of the MFing, which again, we've talked about, you know, in every episode since all this went down, that Dable has to slow down on. And yeah. you also have to know who you're dealing with. You can deal, you can treat different coaches differently. You know, and we've said that in every podcast. I still feel basically the exact same way about Wink Martindale, but now we have some concrete details on, on, not just oh he's yelling at guys, but what how it's yelling and it's bullshit from Brian Dable.
0: Yeah, it, it it really is, and it's a shame, man. Because for a coaching staff, a regime, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, and co, everybody, everybody underneath them that talks about self-evaluation and you know we're going to reflect on on what we can do better we're going to reflect on what we did wrong we're going to reflect on what we can do right how we can replicate that stuff that went right and how we can rectify the stuff that went wrong that you know they 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 talked about they talk about that all the time they still talk about it and the fact that you know you had one player say according to pat leonard last season it was like we were riding a wave and now we're off the wave not being able to reflect on all the shit that went wrong in 2022, granted with a lot of winning, and it seems like, hey, there was a lot of stuff that went right despite some toxic relationships in the building, but when you're winning, everything is all right, right? Frustrating that they weren't able to rectify that stuff, see it, see what went wrong last year, and then rectify it and repair those relationships this year. Because it seems like there was no effort to really do so by either Brian Dable or Wink Martindale even though they had an off season to try and repair and fix what was, what went wrong in 2022.
1: Yeah. Now that being said, I still am more bothered by wink than Dable in this relationship. We'll get the Kafka where I'm way, I'm way more on what my Kafka side than Dables. Yeah. I do think like wink Martindale did this whole eight week getting out. Like Dable at least tried to go into their meeting rooms and address it. Yeah. And wink if Martindale, that is true, wink if Ma- that is true, which I, I do believe is true, but Wink Martindale had decided, from what we can even use it like that, he was gone, and there was really nothing that was going to be gone. And I'm going to, I'm going to be in my defensive run. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not listening to you anymore. This is what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, he right. wanted to be fired.
1: Yeah. So that's where I am, you know, and that's this is where I am. Very like, I still cannot. I, I I'm pissed the way Wink handled this. Right. There was not effort there. Um, and when, you know, Brian Dable tries to address it to figure it out, like there needs to be some conversations and they had just decided, no, this isn't, this is not happening. And if you listen to, if you listen to my interview on Jordan Renan's podcast from the stuff Jordan was saying, which comes from the wing point of view, it basically makes, it basically confirms that where it's like, well, he didn't want to make it work. He didn't want to be there. Well, it's like, okay, well you are there and you are under contract, make effort to make it work.
0: But also, you have to understand, I I can understand this from Wink Martindale's side of, I'm a grown man, and I'm a successful defensive coordinator. I'm not just going to fucking back down to you. Like, there needs to be compromise. And Brian Dable could step up in front of the room and say, does anybody have a problem with me, right? If somebody steps up and say, yeah, this is the problem that I got with you, I think a leader. Brian Dable is a, is expected to be a leader. I think a leader should stand there and maybe even take take the criticism, take the constructive criticism. And from what we're reading and what people are reporting, Brian Dable does not seem like the person to take constructive criticism. Which I don't even know if anybody wants to do it because of how much Dable's motherfucking everybody.
1: Yeah, but it also reports that you know Dable went to Kafka or not Kafka wink privately twice. Let's get to the Mike Kafka stuff because this is the worst part. It's more damning. This is, to me, way worse than anything reported on the Wink Martindale situation, right? Like, if the Kafka stuff is not in here, and, oh, by the way, Joe Shane started listening into the headsets from the Commanders game to the Saints game to, like, figure out, figure it out. The Kafka stuff is way more damning. So, yeah, he's MFing him to run the ball, and then when the run doesn't work, he MFs him to which run play that he used. Uh, he took away play calling multiple times and then gave it back took over offensive meeting room from week seven to 10, then gave it back. Was taking away his play calling mid games, which goes back to your video, about the Cardinals game, he did it uh, in the cow- second Cowboys game. You can't do that, right? No. If you take away an offensive coordinator's play calling duty, you need to take it away and, and keep it that way. Not taking it away for half. Like that makes it un That makes it impossible for Mike Kafka to have any confidence in what he's doing, especially for, you know, a young OC and Mike Kafka, who again, who's, not going to, you know, necessarily stand up to you that way, right? Has a lot less, you know, v- you know, vested years in the NFL as a coach and, you know, only one year as a play caller. Like, you can't do that to Kafka, right? If you want to move on from him, move on from him. But you can't play this game where it's like he's got to second guess everything that he does.
0: I, I mean, I, I think that's how you treat children, is that you take something away. And then you give it back to him. And then you take something away and then you give it back to him. Uh, the, again, you're, you're working with grown men. And that's what really blows my mind uh, about this. And, I, and I've insinuated that. You know, if somebody left a reply on Twitter today, oh, Justin has this obsession with Brian Dable being an asshole. Yeah. At this point, I do want to know if Brian Dable is genuinely an asshole to work with. Because that is not a person that I would want to work with. It's not. That's how you treat a child. You take things away. And then you give it back to them, and it was. Um, I think you're muted there, Bobby. Um, Dable also took over Kafka's offensive meetings, not just play calling duties. Uh, per Pat Leonard, o- Kafka's offensive meetings in Week Seven ahead of the home game against Washington, as the Daily News first reported, and he didn't give up. Com- and he didn't give complete control back to Kafka until Week Eleven, after the offense had averaged 11.75 points during that one and three
1: stretch. Yeah. Again, you just you. If you want to take away play calling, take it away and give it to Shea Tierney like he did in the second half of the Cowboys game or do it yourself. But to keep taking it away and giving it back, I mean, how, how does Kafka operate in that, right? And, you know, Kafka may not want to be back, but I think he's someone that's willing to make it work. There, there needs to be real deal conversations, like you said, of self-evaluation. Like, I'm go- I'm going to stop. Like, I, uh, hey my my bad like there there has to be some evaluation we've t- we've talked about for the last couple of weeks but we didn't know that we kept on hearing that kafka may not want to be back without any re- de- real details about it well now we have some real details and to me they're they're way worse than anything wink martindale had to deal with you know wink martindale basically had to deal with being cussed out a lot mike kafka had to deal with his job being severely interfered with severely interfered with
0: and I think it's extremely impulsive, too. And, and that's that's a word that, you know, Leonard kind of threw around in this in this article, too. But I, I can't help but agree, these decisions don't seem calculated. Like, it doesn't seem well thought out of, all right, well, here's the plan. I am going to go with Shea Tierney here. I am going to have more input in the offense here. But then, you know, it's just this this four-week stretch of them averaging like 11 points per game. And then, all right, I'm just going to give it right back to Mike Kafka. Like, these decisions, they seem impulsive. And for, again, for a staff, and this is what we thought, man, this is why it's so frustrating. For a staff that we thought that everything is thought out, everything from what these players eat to training to uh, what's in the building, the technology that's in the building, the analytics, the numbers, the, the every person has a job and a role. For all these things that we were giving them credit for, it... It just sucks that it's the guy that's supposed to kind of be running it is extremely, it can be impulsive and makes these impulsive decisions and it's not smart and thought out.
1: Yeah, changing a play call is a huge decision. Like you said, that should be, again, if you want to do that, do it, right? Sit down on Monday morning, talk with Tyranny, what you expect out of him, blah, 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 and and make the decision. But like you said, to are just like, okay, you know what, halftime, I'm taking this shit back. Tyranny's taking it, <laughs> doing all that. Like, again, and then giving it back. Like, that's, that's, that's like, you know, like you said, it's as impulsive as the word. Now, again, there's a lot of stuff in there where, you know, Pat Leonard, in, like, concludes that Xavier McKinney played better because Wink got on him. Like, that's, eh. I don't give a crap about that. Like, opinions about the game, it, like, brought up the fourth down in the Eagles playoff game, Gano versus the Jets, Tyrod versus the Bills. Like, yeah. Even if you disagree with Wink on those decisions or disagree with Dable on those decisions, yeah, there's going to be some bad decisions that happen from Brian Dable, just like there's bad decisions by every coach in coaching decisions. But the main thing from this is the Kafka relationship, which again, if not set in stone that he's brought back, um, there has to be a hard look in the mirror from Brian Dable on how he treats Uh, his coaches, and especially the guys who he didn't have two ties to previously. You have to know who – you can't change who you are totally as a coach and a person, but you have to know who you're dealing with and deal with them accordingly, or else you're going to be out of a job next year.
0: And what did we fall in love with, too, last year? This is We fell in love with this before they even won a game last year. I think we fell in love with the collaboration side of it, right, where it's like, oh, man, from – Dable to Kafka and this even goes up to Joe Shane and you saw the signings that they made in season last year like Isaiah Hodgins and it just seemed to fit everything just seemed to fit perfectly like a glove and man look at this look at this process and look at the collaboration that's happening in the building from front office to coaching and then even going to the defensive side of the ball too. everything just seemed to work and it's like well that that's awesome that's what we love and you know now you know uh, Leonard is calling out a source that's calling that collaboration a broken process of, you know, specifically even talking about analytics and coaching decision-making of going for it on fourth down. Do you kick a field goal here? Do you go for it, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, what the, the, the guys that they have on that analytics staff, which is Cade Knox, Ty, uh, Ty, what do you say his last name? Ty CM. CM. Um, you know, CM has been here for, for a while now. There's, there's a couple others, you know, There's some people that are saying, well, what do we have those meetings for? If Dable's just going to be impulsive on game days and I'm just going to do it my way and do what I want, why do you have those meetings of, you know, there's a third third down here. What are we going to do on fourth down? If you have this down a distance, if you're at this point in the field, if the score is this, if you, they talk about preparing for these situations all the time, but if you're just going to make these impulsive decisions, then why are you having these meetings and, you know, why are you preaching about collaboration when it's not actually happening? This is one article. It's one piece. Doesn't look good for Dable. It's probably it's nothing is the full story. The truth is always somewhere in the middle, Um, but not great right now.
1: Yeah, but we we've gotten stories from both sides' point of view, and it's like again, I'm I'm the opinion stuff like the you know the oh well they averaged this points per game and the weeks that Dable was taking in the other okay well you know they played the Jets and in that stretch when their quarterbacks went down had to you know go like I'm not. And if he really did take over, that.
0: if he did take over week seven, by the way, the first half of that Washington game with Tyrod Taylor, I think they had like eight plays of twenty plus yards. Or no, I'm sorry, that was the whole game. That was the whole game. They had eight plays of twenty plus yards. That was the most that they've had since 2019.
1: Yeah, and so, then you have I mean, the Raiders game where Daniel Jones is just missing guys and gets hurt, and then the Dallas Cowboys who are they're frauds, but when they're playing us, they're really fucking good. So like, yeah. I, there's again, there's a bunch of opinion stuff in this that I'm not like. I'm not reading all this and be like, oh, the fucking fourth down. You're right, the fourth. Like, but I am looking at the facts of the taking away the play calling from Kafka, the details of the MFing to wink, and being like, this, this stuff has to be addressed and has to be self evaluated and has to be fixed by Brian Dable, or he's just yeah. not going to last as a head coach. Like, dude, you, dude. You, and unless unless you win a Super Bowl and you build up that type of like, hey, this is my way. Either get in line and do it, or or get out. But again, where that's that's that hasn't happened yet.
0: Bobby, I made like a joke of a video on social media where I'm like, I really feel like this is this is a con- this is a mock conversation between Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Ring, 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 ring. Hey Brian, it's Joe. Hey Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, uh, apparently there's a lot of your coaches and you know some people that you work with that think you're a raging fucking lunatic and that think you're an asshole. You mind calming it down a little bit? Yeah, I, I'll I'll try and do that. Thanks for the feedback, man. Uh, be t- take it easy, boss. All right, bye, Brian. Why do I feel like it's that? It's almost just as simple as Brian Dable just calming down. <laughs> is, it, is it that simple?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, that's why it's like, <laughs> it's not like, oh, his offensive philosophy sucks or his fourth no. down philosophy sucks. or Just that he's
0: a psychopath.
1: It's just like you said, it's just <laughs> chill out with the way you deal pe- with people. Chill out, especially like especially on game day. Chill out, and and don't just take people's responsibilities away because you're angry in the moment.
0: Yeah, like I, that's the solution. I mean, you know, we've talked. I don't know how long we've been recording now. We talked, however, kind of analyzing this and giving thoughts. It's it's almost as simple as just, dude, you're a you're a good coach. Calm down, <laughs> and all this stuff that you preach about collaboration and. Self reflection. Will don't do it alone. Like do it together. And I and I can't I, for the life of me. I can't understand the dichotomy between the way that he treats the players and the way that he treats his coaches. Which I mean, you you can argue it's well, like can... the, these are your coaches. Like these, these are your these are supposed to be your ride or die guys. And your your players are working for you. Your coaches work for you too. But I would argue the collaboration should be much stronger with the coaches than your players that you are
1: coaching i I would disagree a bit because this parcells did this shit right so there's going to be like that like oh parcells motherfucked everybody yeah here's here's the difference of why i actually you got a lot of players and keeping and if one has an issue and especially if it's a star player it will bleed out into the locker room right especially when you're losing where i actually kind of your coaches, you should be able to get on to, right? Like now, again, don't be taking their play calling away. Don't be messing up with the play calls that Wink's trying to get in, right? But you kind of, it's on the opposite side where it's like, Hey, even if I'm cussing you out, like we are in this together. We're pl- a player that that stuff should leak. So like, that's where I'm, that's where I, I don't like Wink in this is like, Wink did, sh- Wink acted like a diva wide receiver in this, basically. You know, and like being pissed off that Dable limited his blitzing and training camp and shit. Like, like to me, I I agree with Dable on that stuff with Wink. It's the Kafka stuff that's more damning. And like you said, just stop yelling. All right, we've we've beaten this to death. Let's talk about jackpot. How about that? You guys like jackpot? Because I love jackpot. And what is jackpot? What would you do if you won two hundred eight million dollars? What is the first thing you would buy? Would it be a million Patreon subscriptions? Would it be for me? Would you share it with anyone? Would you tell the people? Well, that's the current Powerball jackpot. Today's sponsor of jackpot.com lets you play the lottery right from your phone. You can play Mega Millions, Powerball, New York Lotto, and Mo. No need to, get, uh, to go and stand in line at the convenience store. All you have to do is download the jackpot.com slash lottery app, which by the way, those people like hold up the line so don't be a line holder upper and just go to jackpot.com jackpot.com is now live in New York, Texas, Ohio and Massachusetts what do all those states have in common justin they Humble all have tunnel. jackpot.com i just used the i just used the jackpot.com lottery app and it was super easy which was cool um, i you know i didn't win the big one but I did win you know get a few bucks back download the jackpot.com slash lottery app choose a game pick your favorite numbers or let jackpot.com jackpot.com choose for you I believe in picking your own numbers and sticking with those numbers uh screw Doug Analytics and anything else that he will say you will get a scanned copy of the physical ticket uploaded directly to your account if you win you get notified and 100 percent of your winnings will be transferred to your account that's awesome too it's like you don't have to check your numbers the next day Plus, we have the hookup for a free ticket. All you have to do is use code GIANTS when you make a deposit. That means you have a chance to uh, win $208 million for free if you use code GIANTS in the jackpot.com lottery app. So click the link below to download or go to jackpot.com and make sure you use code GIANTS at checkout. You'll be glad you did.
0: I'll be glad you did. Ethan tweeted this out earlier. Um, How about uh, 2024-2025? Brian Dable has a Tom Coughlin transformation
1: but seriously though like i know we all like oh you know coughlin lost three coordinators like and it's like kind of cliche but seriously like coughlin did it and coughlin was more accomplished in the nfl like yeah like i I, like i don't want to compare everything to the early new york giants but it is comparable like look at yourself and see that there's a fucking issue and deal with it like i to me, did you do you come away from this and like, damn you, Brian Dable, I don't believe in you as a head coach. This no. is not going to change. Like, I, no, I, think I come this away from this change.
0: being like, just calm down.
1: <laughs> yeah, chill out, bro. Just, just chill out.
0: Like, you're a good coach. You got good people working with you, bro. Like, calm down. You, you, you did it last year, and you did it with a lot worse.
1: And obviously, Shane was listening in on the headset, so hopefully, you know, there is some of uh, that. That's that's happened.
0: Other uh-huh. GMs do that, so I, I don't like take a ton of stock into it.
1: No, but I'm saying like hopefully there was conversations about yes, that yes. right. And you know the the last reported taking away of Kafka's duties was week ten, right? We don't know if he took it away anytime after that, and the offense started the gel a little bit, especially when Tyrod Taylor came back. He had those Tommy DeVito games, yeah. and that's when so, Shane
0: stopped listening. I think the last. So, so weeks. again,
1: hopefully, like Daves could have already kind of de- dealt with his issues. Hopefully, you know because because the wink stuff basically once it was off the tra- uh, the rails, it was never coming back because of how both sides dealt with it. Um, Doug Analytics is in the chat, and he said if I chose any numbers over and over, they'd be four numbers, and f- three of the four are my birthday, and then there's a 19 in there. I don't know what the 19 signifies. Oh, you know what? It's 1992. Okay, so it's my birthday. Um, I hope you win Doug analytics and I prove you wrong and you can have $208 million on jackpot and, but I will have the satisfaction of being right. Um, what was I saying?
0: Uh, you were going on a good point and then I was going to have a good rebuttal and now I complete and uh, I completely forgot everything. Damn you, Doug analytics. I genuinely hate him. I mean, we were talking about Joe Shane and the offense started to gel a little bit towards the latter part yeah, of the so, season. Like
1: these, Hopefully these, these issues were somewhat dealt with, but at the same time, for it to be coming out now means there's still some pissed-offness about it. Oh, 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 and also,
0: remember how I was like, I really wish that the media had an opportunity to ask Brian Dable about all this, The but he simply said, I expect both of them to be back so then nobody was able to ask anything. Um, it's going to be a long two months because I think March is the combine. It's going to be a long two months until... Uh, think of your questions now beat reporters because i would love to hear this and do not forget this and i guarantee you it's not it's not going to be yeah they should all
1: like if they were smart they would get like we are going to only ask about this yes
0: like don't i don't fucking care about daniel jones don't don't ask a single daniel jones question (laughs) for
1: real stop stop it ask like they should join up join forces and only ask about this I'm like, well, wait, no, we're going to continue answering it until we get some How's Daniel
0: Jones doing? You think he's going to be ready by training camp?
1: Five months away. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's what we're going to get, too. Great job. Are we ready for awards, though? Like, we're let's, ready let's for get, awards. Let's get the vibes back up. Yeah. I'm ready for some awards. Are you Are you ready for awards? I'm ready for awards. I feel like you're pulling up your document. It's pulled up, my my friend. Uh so we do this every year at the end of the season, no matter how bad or good the season went. Uh, so we do... How many awards do we do? We do Offensive Most Outstanding, Defensive Most Outstanding, Most Underrated, Most Improved, Most Underwhelming, and then Rookie of the Year. Um, so, Justin, we're going to start with Offensive Most Outstanding Player. And we, and we put this up to the to the listeners, too. So, and this... this this represents who win it. Like me and Justin have our own ballots, but the listeners decide who who truly wins it. So, Andrew Thomas has won the last two most uh, most outstanding players on offense before uh, the year before Wayne Gallman won it since we've been doing it. This year was the most tight that it was. I actually thought some second place was going to win this. Andrew Thomas got 49 votes. He was in third. Darius Slayton, while I was counting these, held the lead for the most part. Had 63 votes. And Saquon Barkley had 68. So uh, Saquon Barkley, for the listeners, won uh, Offensive Most Outstanding Player. And I struggled on this, right? Because Saquon didn't have some outstanding season, right? Like as far as his careers, this was his fourth best season. And his fifth and sixth worst seasons were pitiful. One was a torn ACL. And then the other was 2021. And his numbers aren't bad. But here's the thing. Andrew Thomas missed a lot of games. And then he got injured again and wasn't as dominant in the run game. He wasn't as good results-wise as a pass protector. And as much as Slayton, I love him. To me, Saquon's more outstanding at what he does than what Slayton does, right? And Saquon only missed three games. And you look at the context, Saquon had 1.3 more yards per carry than his backup running backs. You know, and you say, oh, well, that's every year. No, in 2022, the difference was only 0.1 yards. I watched the games, man, and he just... He didn't really make bad decisions, right? This isn't old Saquon conversations. Oh, he looks to bounce. He doesn't do that anymore. Thomas missed seven games. He tied for the team lead in receiving touchdowns, you know, 40% of all offensive touchdowns. All his receiving touchdowns did come and win, so they were very meaningful, even though he had a bad receiving season. So I thought this year Saquon Barkley was my most outstanding player on offense, Justin.
0: I gave it to Slayton um approximate value which is a uh, it's basically PA, it's basically Pro Football Reference's war uh, if you're a baseball fan. Um Saquon Barkley and Darius Slayton had the same AV from this year. Um take with that whatever you may. I have Darius Slayton. Um Darius Slayton is the only wide receiver in the NFL during the last 2 years to average at least 15 yards per reception, have at least 40 receptions and have a catch rate of at least 60%. Uh, Slayton had a career high in yards after catch per reception per per pro football reference, and a career-high QB rating when targeted of 101.8. He's there, and he's always there. Whether there's a a sliver of excitement or not in this offense or in this Giants team, uh, whether this team is a disaster or whether it's fun, he's there. Um, And I think he became much more reliable this year. Uh, He's not a wide receiver one, but he became much more reliable this year. And I think when you have... Uh, a quarterback that can throw the deep ball. I uh, like Tyrod Taylor. I think that's when you really saw him kind of, kind of go off and uh, you know do the things that he can do well.
1: There was times where he was open deep and he got missed by DJ when DJ was in. Um, he had a good year. Yeah, Darius Layton had a really he had his he be- career best season. You know for catches and yards and, and catch rate was was you know not as good as last year but still really good. Um, he almost won this. Like I said, they were they were separated by five uh, votes for you know between him and Saquon and Saquon had the kind of a late push when I was counting the votes. Um uh, so congrats to Saquon taking down back-to-back champ Andrew Thomas. If Andrew Thomas played four more games, I probably would If they played the same amount of games, I probably would have went Andrew Thomas. I do think Andrew Thomas is more outstanding at what he does than Saquon, but again, Thomas just missed so much time.
0: Missed like 2 and months. And what's and what's really outstanding about what when Thomas he came did? Back. Here's the argument for Andrew Thomas. I almost thought about switching it while you were talking about Andrew Thomas. Think of how impressive what he did was when he got back from the hamstring and then also when he, you know, the the MCL stuff. Think of how impressive that is to be still that dominant and be one of the league's best tackles, not what he was last year, but still one of the league's best tackles
1: while having so many different things going against you. Oh, he's amazing. He is great. Like I it's Again, there's nobody on this challenge team I'm more thrilled to have on my roster than Andrew Thomas and even b- more so than my defensive most outstanding player um, but it's to me it's just it's tough to give it to a guy who missed 7 games and wasn't his same old self when he came right. back right it's right. it's not it's, this isn't a who is who has a higher matter rating this is for this is a year this is yeah. what happened to a year review you right. what happened to what happened this year award um so Andrew Thomas, I thought we were going to get, I was at a point to where I was like, I want Andrew Thomas to stop winning this because there's some offensive player who just takes over the Giants like a quarterback or something. And that is not what happened in 2023. I gave it to a no. back who had less than four yards per carry, unfortunately. All right, defensive most outstanding. The last three years were James Bradbury, Xavier McKinney, and Dexter Lawrence. I'm kind of surprised by how the it was voted on. Deontay Banks and Kayvon Tebow each got one vote. The vote-getters were Dexter Lawrence and Bobby O'Karrikay. Bobby O'Karrikay beat Dexter Lawrence by 13 votes. Justin, do you uh, agree with them this year? I do. I do, man.
0: Uh, Bobby O'Karrikay was fifth in the NFL in run stops among interior linebackers. He was 20th in run stop rate. He was eighth in PFF coverage grade, which, hey, I I know how we feel about coverage uh, grades and stuff like that, but... I wanted something to show that Okereke is very, was very good in coverage this year. Seventh lowest in average depth of target. He's tied for fourth in pass breakups and tied for ninth in pressures among interior linebackers as well. Two and a half sacks, 11 tackle for loss, six QB hits, 149 tackles, 90, 92 of them solo. Played all 17 games, two interceptions, had four forced fumbles, um, and some of those pass deflections even resulted in turnovers as well. But I think the most impressive thing, if we want to talk about outstanding Bobby, right? 100% of the snaps this year. And what are you asking your Mike linebacker to be? And every down player, captain of the defense, Bobby Okereke was that.
1: So I don't wish this, but I wish this was like another year because I would love to give this to Bobby Okereke, right? I I can make it such a great army. Like he had two less sacks than Dexter Lawrence, two interceptions, created two others for Jason Pinnock and Mike McFadden, plus four forced fumbles, had 149, ta- 10 tackles for a loss. I think he helped Mike McFadden immensely. But here's where I just, I went Dex. Dex was second for defensive tackles and pass rush run rate. Fourth in yeah. sacks hits and pressures combined, and that was playing limited snaps towards the end of the year. Third in run stop rate for defensive tackles. He makes life so much, like, to me, he makes Bobby Okereke better. Right? I don't think Okereke makes Dex better. I think Dex, like, if there was a lesser nose tackle, I don't know if O'Kerke has the same uh, season that he does. I mean, he's legitimately might be the best nose tackle ever. Wow! Like who who's been a better just nose tackle? Who's been able to rush the pass rusher and be such a great run stopper too? Right? Like he's top three in defensive tackles in the NFL right now with Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. Um, you know, you can argue between him and Quinn and Williams, but I think you know, both are both are amazing. It's just he's done things that have never happened at the nose tackle position as a pass rusher, while also being amazing in the run. I think Dex. I mean Dex was outstanding. Um, so I I had to go. I had to give it to Dex back to back.
0: Um, I'm looking up best nose tackles in NFL history, and this is an opinion piece. There's a lot of players I don't know. Curly Culp, Bill Oh, Willis. Curly Culp.
1: He was really good.
0: Um. Ted Washington of the San Francisco 49ers, Henry Thomas, um and then the first one that I know is ranked here number 7 Pat Williams growing up there were the two Williams guys. Pat Williams
1: was great. Andre Patterson, I think
0: coached him. And then uh Vince Wilfork, Jerry Ball, uh Charlie Johnson of the Eagles and then Holodinata Nada are like the top 11 like, in this in this opinion
1: piece. What Dex is doing right now is much better than anything Vince Wilfork ever done. Now you hey, you have to have you have to do it. You have to do it for a while, right, to be named in there. But he's having the best nose tackle seasons of all time.
0: Yeah, Bobby. Before Dex got hurt, and before he was kind of exclusively like this third down. You know, they were kind of rotating him in and out. I think the Eagles game, he, I think he played a lot. But before that, you were looking at Dexter Lawrence stats, not just saying he's number one amongst interior defensive linemen in like win rate. And some hits, maybe pressures. You were comparing him to edge rushers too, where he was like, you would put interior defensive alignment and edge rushers in the same category. And well, Dexter Lawrence's win rate is there. Um, and it's like, that's insane. You know, that it's kind of, you know, football is more or less designed for, you know, edge rusher versus tackle 1v1 matchup for those guys to win. And Dexter Lawrence's double team rate is one of the highest in the NFL. So it's not like Dex is benefiting from, you know, these one-on-one matchups and then winning. He's getting double teamed and triple teamed, and he's fucking winning these, winning, winning at the same rate as, like, Miles Garrett and TJ Watt are.
1: Yeah, he's crazy. He's, he's unreal. All right, it's time for most underrated. This award, uh, this one always gets a lot of votes, right? Because 22 players got votes in this. Last year, Julian Love won it. The year before, Adora Jackson won it. And Nick Gates won it in 2020. This year, you, I'm just going to go from bottom to top of guys who got 10 or more votes. Nick and McLeod got 10. Daniel Bellinger got 11. McKinney and McFadden both got 16. Wandale got 30. Jason Pinnock got 39. And then the winner was Darius Slayton at 51. Here's the thing is why I always disagree with the most underrated is to win this award. You kind of can't be... Super underrated. Now I think Jackson got it correctly that year. Is I feel like Slayton is starting to be rated correctly this year after last year being my vote for most underrated. Like last year severely underrated. People want to move on, calling me like calling me people saying like I I hate to use this one example, but this person like I I can't listen to Bobby if he says Slayton's wide receiver one over Isaiah Isaiah Hodge. Like people were fine with cutting him before that season. So I actually think Slayton's starting to be properly Rated Justin, there was someone who I really wanted to give this to, but I didn't. I'm giving the Tyrod Taylor. And I want to say, there were people like, like Tyrod was hated for his, even his preseason performances. Like he played better than all the quarterbacks, played better than Daniel Jones, who just got $40 million, who threw the most deep passes, had the highest deep passing rate since 2011 Eli, while being efficient, not turning the ball over at all either. And, I mean, I had people mad at me, Justin, for saying that he should start and is far better than Tommy DeVito. I, I, I've, I get, I'm giving well, Tyrod Taylor. People are harassing us. Harassing us. Because we're like, Tyrod Taylor is clearly better than Tommy DeVito. The gap is big. I don't care. Like, Tommy DeVito has to get a ton better. So I'm going Tyrod Taylor is most underrated. That's a good one.
0: Maybe the Giants do have the number one pick if it's not for Tyrod Taylor. It was actually um,
1: DeVito's wins who got him out of that, but yeah, I, I see. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, oh, light went off. Turn the light back on. Turn off. The, the lights went out on the Giants' season and in the office.
0: Get those lights off. Turn them off. No, no, no. Um, that's a good underrated award. Um, I My most underrated, I was very surprised to see that he actually did finish second in most underrated. I am going to go with Jason Pinnock. And dude, uh, I'm really interested to see what Jason Pinnock looks like in a non-Wink Martindale scheme. But this year, forced negative plays, a um, thousand plays in 16 games, ninety ninety-five percent of the snaps in games he was active. Um, and maybe the reason why that's ninety-five percent is because I think he did start the Rams game, but then he left early. Um, so he, you want to talk about you know Iron Man? It's a shame that you know maybe he couldn't join. Xavier McKinney and Bobby Okereke in that because he was out there, he was reliable. Um, I think he did his job well, um, you know. And when he was asked to kind of go in the box and blitz and you know be a force, he did it. And I think he's a he had some missed tackles this year and some plays where it's like, ah, oh, damn. But Jason Pinnock is not a Pro Bowler. He's not an All Pro player. Um, but for what I think, I think he is a good tackler. And for what he's asked to
1: do, Jason Pinnock is my most underrated player. Yeah, most underrated is tough because it could be like, I feel like your vote is great from like a league wide view, but I always kind of put this under the guise of like so you can kind of make it your own thing. But uh, congratulations to Darius Slayton winning most underrated this year. Uh most improved. I feel like everyone's going to agree with this one. Fourteen guys, fourteen guys got votes. Leonard Williams won in twenty twenty. Andrew Thomas won in two thousand twenty one. Daniel Jones won in twenty twenty two. Micah McFadden won this. He got 127 votes. Wandale Robinson got 38, which I think he had a good case, even though I I go Micah McFadden. Kayvon got 13. Pinnock got 12. I mean, McFadden had over 100 tackles on a team where Bobby Okereke had 149. McKinney had, you know, more than 100. You know, the 12 tackles for loss was the most since Leonard Williams since 2020. It's the most for an inside linebacker since Kiwanuka in 2011, but he played a third of the snaps on the edge. And before that, it was Michael Barrow. Like... He made improvement. You know, we had a. He still needs to improve, right? He's got to become a better tackler. He does come off the field on third down, but we we talked about how I thought we thought he'd look a lot better next to Bobby Okereke, and he really thrived. And you saw some of the things that he did really well at Indiana start to translate into the NFL. Obviously, there is some athletic limits limitations that hurt him in the open field and in coverage, but man, he he did his job pretty damn well this year, and he was my he was my most improved as well. I agreed with the listeners.
0: I went with Wanda Robinson and I think it comes down to, I think we could envision Micah McFadden being a good number two linebacker when Jalen Smith got out of here. And if the Giants made linebacker one a priority in last year's free agency, which they did, I think we could envision a role where Micah McFadden was serviceable. Now what I think, did we envision it being that good? No, I did not envision at all. Wanda Robinson, Leading the team in receptions this year. That was not on my bingo card. That was 100 percent not and and a lot of it not even to do with Wandale's projection as a player, but it was just dude, you're you know you're coming off the he's a twitchy, fast, quick dude coming off an ACL injury, and we know that it usually takes you know a full, a full year to recover from that. Um, so I am really excited for Wandale Robinson's 2024. But his 2023 was good, led the team in receptions. Now, I was pretty surprised to see, if you look at his advanced numbers, his average depth of target was less. Um, it was a whole yard less than what it was in 2022. 6.2 in twenty two, 5.3 in 2023. Yards after catch per reception, 5.5 in 2022, 4.8 in 2023. I'm expecting that number to go up. Hopefully when quarterback improves, better quarterback play. And also Wanda Robinson will be quicker, faster himself in
1: 2024 as well. But in my brain. The ACL portion of this is is like, he didn't get to practice football right and you think about like when you're coming out of college you're not really practicing football you're practicing for the combine and and workouts and stuff and there was like real route running like he was not a good route runner at kentucky no that's the biggest difference you know and he like it's like it and it showed up like the first time we saw him justin like the first half of the 49ers game like oh my god like These routes are clean. Like this is this is a different player that we have here. Obviously, yes, does he have limitations? Right. But my worry, well, obviously the limitations with the size and arm length um obviously are still there. My worry is like not with not just those limitations, but like I feel like there's a lot that needs to be grown in his game. And he really did grow in some of those areas, and and hopefully he can get better. I think with a more big arm QB, he can start getting become more of an explosive player, too, where not necessarily, you know, he's not going to go just stack a corner and beat him deep, but finding the holes and zones deep down the field on the sideline. So, um, there was that. So that's why I was surprised to see
0: that his average depth of target was a whole yard less. Because in my brain, I remember some plays of Wandell Robinson down the field this year. I mean, especially think back to the Green Bay game. Um, you know that that's most notable. But in my brain, I'm like, I, I thought he had some big plays, and it wasn't just screens and manufactured stuff at the line of scrimmage. Uh five broken tackles as well. He only had one broken tackle in 2022. Um yeah, so I'm going with Wandell Robinson and we, and we talked about uh in the middle of the year on a, probably a mailbag that again single man coverage against man coverage that Wandell Robinson created the most separation out of any wide receiver in the NFL. So that's plus. Yes, 100%. I did not envision us talking about Wondell Robinson in this way as a good, crafty route runner um, like he was in
1: 2023. Not on the bingo card. Absolutely. All right. Um, Most underwhelming. This award always sucks to do. Uh, 15 players got votes. The last three years were Evan Ingram, Kenny Galladay, and then Evan Neal last year. Unfortunately, for the third time in four years, it's someone named Evan. Evan Neal won, wins this award. Daniel Jones was second, 15 points back. Darren Waller finished third. Aziz was fourth. Adore was uh, fifth. Paris Campbell was sixth. And then, you know, you, the, in a season like this, man, unfortunately you can make arguments for so many people, right? Like I can make an argument for Daniel Jones, uh, Paris Campbell, JMS, Adore. Waller kind of, even though I don't, I, like it's, he got hurt. Which was like what we knew, right? So that's not surprising. Can even make an argument for Isaiah Hodgins, but I think he was just odd man out and not necessarily underwhelming, right? But I'm gonna go Azizo Jelari, mm. right? Like Daniel Jones' season was a disaster, no doubt. But this isn't like a how many games did you miss award, right? Like that. This isn't what this award. This it's not a injury award for me, you know. And Neil, I didn't have huge expectations for this year, you know. I, th- I thought last year was more deserving of this war than this year, right? He's obviously underwhelming, but the growth of Evan Neal was all based on hope and no subs- substance, you know, besides, you know, the pre-NFL pre tape. But Aziz was 92nd of 95 edge rushers and pass rushers in rate. 75th of 95 in pressure percentage. Like, he looked bad from camp till the end of the season. Like, Evan Neal was handling Aziz Ojolari in camp for the most part. They took him off the field for rundowns. He, he like regressed severely, right? Whereas, like, I actually don't think Jones is as bad as this year it happened. There's a lot of circumstances, and then Jones just shit the bed. To me, what? Like, but I, I could have, I could have. If you asked, if you told me what happened to Daniel Jones happened, I'd be like, okay. If you told me with Aziz Ojolai, I'd be saying these stats on him. I would have not believed it, and here we are. Yeah, it's a good one, but I, I am gonna go with Daniel Jones um cuz you
0: said this isn't an injury award i mean re- i'm not even giving him most underwhelming because he was injured i'm giving him most underwhelming because daniel jones was really bad um out of quarterbacks with a minimum of 100 plays this year um an epa plus cpoe composite um epa is expected points added cpoe is completion percentage over expected epa is basically a value stat and cpoe is an accuracy stat uh, from uh, Daniel Jones was 32nd out of 49 quarterbacks in EPA and CPOE composite. Here are the quarterbacks that were better than him, like seven rankings up. Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Joe Flacco, Will Levis, Gardner Minshew, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, and then it was Anthony Richardson, Taylor Heineke, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Josh Dobbs that were right under Daniel Jones. Um, dude, if you if you were to tell me that we just paid this guy 40 million. I mean even just use your eyes. I mean for let's forget the numbers for a second. That was the that was the worst stretch that we've seen Daniel Jones play football ever. Yeah, ever. Ever. And, and it includes his rookie year where he was turning over the ball. At least he had some explosive some explosives that stretch that Daniel Jones started the year with man it was the worst stretch of football that we have ever seen Daniel Jones play and it's coming off the heels of giving him a contract of 40 million dollars
1: per year so 100% i will he is my most underwhelming player this year yeah i i went back and forth between him and him and jones this usually i kind of have him like this is my answer i'm i will tell you you're wrong if you pick it this year i was actually wishy-washy on basically all besides most um, improved.
0: Yeah. Um, Bobby, before we talk about the final award, um, we have to talk about one more thing. So two more things. Uh, you're confident in the office. I'm in the office right now, and I may pop one of these at the dinner table and even on the dance floor, but can you keep it going when you get back to the bedroom? Hey-oh, with hymns you can get access to, med- to medications to ensure your erectile dysfunctions gets treated. So I'll be on stream tonight. JM Football may pop some hymns. Come have a good time with me. Let's keep the Danny confidence King going. Danny King loves this stuff. Oh, Danny King loves this stuff, and you can keep the confidence going all day and all night. Actually, you're listening to this after the Jam football playoff stream. All right, so tune in next week, and I'll take some more hymns. HIMS is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable and discreet sexual health treatments off in the comfort of your couch. HIMS has hundreds and thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down, it's time to... Change that. Start your free online visit today at hims.com/giants. That's h-i-m-s.com/giants for your personalized ED treatment options. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. Bobby
1: Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Be glad you did. Did I mention that John Robinson almost won it for most underrated? He, you know, he was first for two guys with two hundred uh, run step, run snaps, and and run stop uh, rate, and he had more than Dexter Lawrence this year. He, what kind of contract do you think he's going to get? With this, I, I don't think the same gets it done. No, and he he wasn't. He didn't come here for cheap either.
0: Like I want to bring him back, but also I want to be responsible about it.
1: Yeah, but I think without Leonard, like I don't, I don't know what you do. I think it's a position you kind of have to address in the draft, maybe even earlier than you want to. I agree. Um, I've been saying that for a long. Maybe time. Maybe not have to address it. I'm not gonna make that. I'm not gonna make that statement on January 16th. Of the Giants, have to draft a defensive tackle um, with one of their seven picks. The Giants have to draft a long snapper, uh, rookie of the year, the final one. The last three years, it's been Andrew Thomas, Aziz Ojalari, and Kayvon Thibodeau. Congrats, Kadarius Tony, because you are still the only first round, first, you know, top pick that hasn't won it because Deontay Banks won it. He got 202 votes. Tommy DeVito and Jalen Hyatt both got three. John Michael Smith's got one and Jordan Riley got one. Uh, to me, it's Banks, right? Like Jalen Hyatt did some really good stuff, but just no volume. Uh, and and he he needs to get better at a lot of stuff, right? Uh JMS had a bad rookie season. Eric Gray didn't play. Trey Hawkins, no. javier sowers going around. I mean, Deontay Banks at least looked like he belonged in the NFL. I thought when he was at cornerback two, he played pretty good. He had good force and completion rate when he was there. So I think there's still I still think there's huge question like growth that needs to be happened to become into uh, a cornerback one. Uh but I'm I'm giving this Giving this award to Deontay Banks, I agree with the listeners strongly. And
0: this is the first clean sweep. I am also giving it to Deontay Banks.
1: Who do you think has been like the most, the best rookie of the year since we've been doing this? Thomas has won it. Aziz, Kavon, and, uh, and uh, and now and now Banks.
0: It's got to be either Aziz or Kavon, right? I mean, I really enjoyed Thomas's growth. But the first half was was rough. Yeah, I, um, I would probably say Aziz. Kayvon gave you moments and uh, here, here's what you want, right? Not just numbers. We're not just looking for stats and numbers with Rookie of the right? We're looking for what can you put on tape that can transfer over to a good career. And I yeah. think Kayvon's rookie season was more impressive in that regard. But that would Aziz's. make Thomas
1: number one then. But still, Thomas had a... Uh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. It sucks. We haven't had any like great rookie seasons, unfortunately. No. Slayton would have won it in 2019, obviously. Actually, who would have won it between Slayton and Jones in 2019? I think De- Daniel Jones. I would have voted for Daniel Jones, honestly.
0: Eh, I think I would have too because I would have because in 2019 I was big like launch launch Nate Solder into the sun. He was responsible for yeah, like Sa- half of Jones' Saquon,
1: Saquon is the last like just outstanding rookie season for a New York Giant, right? Right. In a long time, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, so let's 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 have let's, can we get one of those guys in this class? Can we just have a guy who after their rookie season we're like hey. This guy is great, not because of projection, but he's just great right now. Can we, can we please, for the love of God, Joe Shane, can we have a rookie season where we can overreact to it and not the next season being like, oh, we overreacted so much. No, I want, I just, I just want a great rookie who stays a great player. All right, that's an episode. We'll see you uh, whenever we see you. I mean, it's coming up to Giants hiring a defensive coordinator soon, so hopefully, hopefully that comes soon. Until then, let's go big blue.